Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Together, juntos, juntos, ya. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. John the Baptist appeared in the desert proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. People of the whole Judean countryside and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out to him and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He fed on locusts and wild honey. And this is what he proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we begin with the iconic figure of John the Baptist. He is part and parcel of Advent. Without him, Advent hardly seems like it would be Advent. Through the centuries, artists of all kinds have found the image of John the Baptist so powerful that they have dedicated themselves over and over and over again to drawing his image and painting his image and even sculpting the image of this strange and beautiful man. If you wander through almost any great museum of the world, you will encounter at least some of those works. In the West, being Europe, North America, our parts of the world, very often those images of John the Baptist are very sweet. 
Lots and lots of paintings of John the Baptist as a, as a little cherubic baby, maybe a toddler at most. And very often he's sitting there and he has his little, his little banner that says, Ecce Agnus Dei, behold the Lamb of God. But he's pink-cheeked and you could just about kiss the little guy on that forehead of his. And sometimes even he's sitting at play with Jesus himself, baby Jesus, of course. Lovely paintings indeed. We get others where Jesus is a little bit older, a ruddy adolescent, perfect in posture, and also wearing now his, his camel-haired garb and his leather belt, but a beautiful boy. He's young and he's full of energy, and he is lovely to behold. And even later on, when we have paintings or images or sculptures of John as he's baptizing Jesus in the River Jordan, <laughs> it's a gentle John. He's there with Jesus, and they're both content. Lovely images, and John is pouring just a trickle of water over the delicate head of Jesus. Nothing to frighten us everything to make us love this character, John. In the Eastern tradition of the Christian church, Byzantium, where their artwork is not nearly as romantic as it is in the West, in fact, it's not really artwork at all, their iconography, their iconography of John is completely different. There's, there's nothing sweet about him at all. There he's pictured in the icons of, of Orthodoxy or Byzantium with, with wild streaming hair that's flying out in all directions and a beard that's long and dirty. And his face is rugged and baked by the sun. And very often he's striking a pose which is, is kind of frightening, actually. And you can almost hear him you can almost hear him proclaiming, screaming maybe, that powerful word, repent, repent, repent. <laughs> and when John in these icons says repent, when he calls out repent, when he actually almost seems to be screaming the word repent, you feel like the earth might be shaking under your feet trembling. It's almost frightening and yet attractive at the same time. This wild and dirty and base character that we see in those icons from the East. And in reality, what those icons portray is much closer to what we find in the Gospels than our sweet images in the West. For indeed, we know from the gospel stories that John was a wild character. He was a fierce man who had a powerful voice that could shake people to their core. We, we know that when he preached, people listened because they were fascinated by him, but they were also afraid of him. Who is this fellow? Who is this guy? Who is this new prophet? in the history of Israel and our land, who's got this furnace of God inside him that's burning 
and that comes out of his mouth and out of his gestures and out of his very body with, with power that we've never seen before. This is truly a prophet in the tradition of all the Old Testament prophets, the prophets of Israel. This is a guy who has God so deeply inside him that he burns with that godness. And it cannot help but escape his, in his words, in his proclamation, in his gestures, in the symbols he chooses to let people know that God is near. Well, he attracts people, this wild guy, this guy who lives on locusts and honey, this guy who wears camel hair, this guy who's dirty and filthy, who lives in the desert in a cave, this guy who does not wash appropriately, this guy who seems to be breaking all the rules, this guy who is baptizing people in the river, not, not in a gentle little way, but he's pushing them down into that Jordan water and he's holding them down until they can almost not breathe and then he brings them up to new life and says, look out beyond the horizons of your own life and recognize now, repentant that the Lord is coming. People are drawn to him even though they're afraid of him. And when people are drawn to a prophet like that, in great numbers even, then we know that that prophet has power. The very fact that people are coming to him and coming to him and coming to him, that he's drawing crowds out of Judea and crowds out of Galilee, crowds from God knows where, Jerusalem itself are coming to experience his baptism of repentance. That power is frightening to those who have power around him. And it must have been a terrible temptation for him to use that power for himself. With all these people coming to him, with the power of God in his voice, in his gut, with the fierce grace of God pouring out of his mouth, John could easily have said to himself, okay, now it is time for me to gather these people together, to form, to form our mob, to form our army of people, and to march on Jerusalem and take down that awful Herod who is not really our king. Now is the time for me to lead the people to push the Romans out. Now is the time for me to become the big shot that God wants me to be because look at all these people coming to me. I have power. I may even be the Messiah himself. Well, that temptation, that temptation to take his power that he has with the people of Israel and use it to, to topple Herod and to topple the Romans and to make his people free must have been a great temptation indeed, but it is a temptation which he does not accept, which he does not fall into, which he resists with all his might. Instead, and this is the remarkable thing about the great John the Baptist, is that he lets go of all of that. <coughs> he does not use his power for himself. 
but in great humility, abnegation of his ego, he says to the people of Israel, I am not your Messiah. Don't count on me to take down Herod. Don't count on me to attack the Romans. Don't look at me as your new leader that's going to lead the people of Israel to a new day. For I am not he. His power to look beyond his own ego and see a more distant horizon is what makes him great. It's his humility that makes him great. And that makes him such an iconic figure for the Advent season. When we think of John the Baptist, happily we do not imagine this crazy guy with his wild hair and his wild beard and his burned skin and his great voice sitting on top of a horse leading an army of people into Jerusalem. Instead, what we see is this same man standing in his lowly river, pointing beyond himself and saying, there, there is the Lamb of God, not here. So what does he teach us all these centuries later? Not the John the Baptist that's painted in lovely paintings, little cherub-like little baby John. Not the ruddy adolescent John the Baptist. Not even the John the Baptist who sweetly is pouring a few drops of water over the head of Jesus in the Jordan River. But the John the Baptist of Byzantine iconography, the John the Baptist of the gospel stories, this wild and crazy guy who could easily have made himself the Messiah, the savior of Israel, because he had power and the people recognized that power as real. He teaches us too <laughs> that we are not messiahs and we are not the saviors, not of ourselves, not of our church, not of our world. We have the power to change the world, to change our church, to change ourselves for the better only when we let go in humble abnegation of our ego and see beyond ourselves and say, there, there, there is the Lamb of God who saves our world. Ece Agnus Dei, says the banner of John in all those paintings. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are we who are called to his supper. <laughs>